This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. Welcome to another edition of Fly the W670 podcast. My name is Dustin Rhodes. I'm the executive producer of the Mully and Haw show on 670 The Score, also the official radio home of the Chicago Cubs. And as always, I am joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, good morning. How are you? Doing good. Just a reminder for everybody, you can find us on our socials at Facebook, Fly the W, Instagram, and uh, Twitter, Fly the W670. And you can find us on uh, our email. We actually had our first email the other day. I'll talk you know, later about it, but fly the W670 at gmail.com. Awesome. Awesome. Please subscribe. Please like us. Please comment. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. We're calling this one Ripping the Reds. It is Season 1, Episode 11. Again, this one is called Ripping the Reds. So the Reds have come into town. They have now left town. We've got three games to go over. Game 1, unfortunately, Crowley did not go the Cubs' way. They fell in that one 5-3. to three. Keegan Thompson was on the bump. Tell us how this one went down. Uh, as you know, I was at the game, and there is nothing more frustrating when the team takes two out of three and the only game you go to is the loss. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm kind of on a rough patch right now here, Dustin. I'm not going to lie, but it was a good pitcher's duel. It was Keegan Thompson versus Luis Castillo. Keep in mind, the, the market, and we talked about this with Kyle Hendricks, the market for starting pitching in the trade deadline, a lot of people are looking around, and there's not a lot. And one name that pops up a lot, you know the Reds did a bigger dump than the Cubs did this last offseason. Luis Castillo is uh, their pitcher. We had a really good old-fashioned pitcher's duel. Uh, Keegan did great, even though the numbers are going to look a little bit off, and I'm going to explain why. Uh, Keegan went 6.1 innings pitched, 8 hits, 4 runs, no walks, 8 Ks. Luis Castillo threw 6 innings, gave up 5 hits, 3 walks, 11 Ks, no runs. Uh, Luis Castillo, though, he threw a career-high 123 pitches and struck out a season-high 11 batters over six scoreless innings. I'm watching the dugout waiting for David Bell to pop up, and they're leaving this guy in. I'm like, I don't know. I I mean, if this guy's your trade bait, 123 pitches is kind of not very common anymore. Yeah, that seemed asinine, Crowley. I was thinking the same thing. If this is the guy, he had shown what he could do. He, he had shown what he could do at the 80 pitch mark, at the 90 pitch mark. And 90 so far has seemed like the magic number, right? 90 pitches is the number unless somebody's got something really special 
cooking out there on the hill. That's the number where the manager, the pitching coach, jump out of the dugout, you know, have a little slow it down, make sure the bullpen can get ready, and then on two more pitches, the manager comes out and we make the move. So I was shocked by 123. And not that I care that much about the Reds, but it is something that I am curious to see how Castillo responds in his next start after the 123 pitches. Right. I just thought it was crazy. But between these two games, game one and game two, I want to just kind of talk about a really dumb play in game one and a really great defensive play in game two. When you talk about the dumb play, we're the first inning, right? And that's when you can really start to get to a pitcher. When you know the first inning is always to me that, that that's when you can kind of maybe catch them before they settle into a rhythm and routine. The Cubs have one out when Rafael Ortega reaches on catcher's interference. So free base, Rafael Ortega's at first. He steals second. Wilson Contreras comes up to the plate. He singles to Almora, who I believe was playing right. And for some reason, Wilson does this massive, he goes right around first like he's going to second. He gets caught in a rundown, and he's trying to get Ortega to get in a rundown between third and home. So now they're going after Ortega, and Wilson eventually reaches third. But instead of having first and third and one out, you have Wilson at third and two outs, and they don't score a run. And it was just I love Wilson, just sometimes some of those base path moves are just ignorant. Yeah, that was definitely on him. It was really weird. It was a really weird call on 670 the score. They guys had a hard time even trying to figure out, you know, who was who was in the right, who was in the wrong, and then they, they tried to explain it for the scorecards, you know, which, which which direction that one went. It was a really weird, odd play. I don't know that it factored in in the end result of that one. But you're right, Crawley. It was a very odd play. So take us through the rest of this one. How did the Cubs get on the board? And uh, and then we'll move into game two. Well, it took a little while to get on the board. But the third inning, Rivas and Bodie both reached on singles. But Castillo st- shuts down the uh, rally by striking out the rest of the side in order. So he struck out the next three hitters. And that was uh, a stretch of six consecutive strikeouts Luis Castillo had. So he was on. Now, Keegan only gave up three hits in the first five innings, which was good, but you start to see, and this is normal with Keegan. Again, he wasn't prepared to be a starter this season. They expected him to be in a bullpen role. Around the sixth inning, uh, top of the sixth with one out, he gives up a, a one-out double to Brandon Jury, who had a great series. Um, and so with that was with one on and one out. He doubles, and Jonathan India scores, so they're up one nothing. Then uh, Keegan throws a wild pitch, moving Jury to third. Uh, Donovan Solano hits a ground rule double the Cubs trail to nothing and he gets out of the inning but you could see by that double that Drury hit and the wild pitch that to me it looked like Keegan was done so I'm like okay you know uh, six innings no big deal gave up two runs but Ross trots him out in the bottom of the seventh and he gives up uh, in the bottom of the six I'm sorry they're down two nothing uh, Ortega walks Contrera walks so you got two on Hap lines out, Wisdom strikes out, Horner singles, so you have the bases loaded two outs, but Gomes lines out and the inning's over. So this takes us to the top of the seventh, where I thought Keegan was not going to come out, but he does. He gets one out from uh, Max Schrock flying out, but then gave up singles to Almora and Nick Senzel. Um, With two out, two on, for some odd reason, David Ross thinks it's going to be a great idea to bring in (laughs) Rowan Wick. And I have no idea what the thought process is here. He gets uh, Aramis Garcia to strike out, but then Jonathan India hits a three-run homer 
to put the uh, Reds up five nothing. In Wilson's, in, I'm sorry, in, in Wicks, in Rowan Wicks' last 14 appearances going back to May 26, he has an ERA of 836. Maybe, David Ross, you don't use him in high leverage situations anymore. Yeah, and this gets into the whole idea, Crowley, about winning. Okay, are, are the Cubs looking to win the games, or is this about player development? I think it also gets into the question of why we saw Keegan come back out in the seventh. Now, if the game, air quotes, really mattered, if, if you were competing to play for the wild card, if you were competing for the division, that might have been a situation where you would not have brought Keegan Thompson back out to face the lineup for that third time, right? Maybe if the game mattered, you wouldn't have gone to Wick, who's got, as you pointed out, an 8.36 ERA since late May. Maybe you would have went with somebody else. But now the Cubs are trying to develop guys, and they're trying to see if Wick can perform in, as you just said, a high-leverage situation. Maybe that's what it is, but it's hard as fans to decide whether or not you want to roll with the development of players and then lose games that you potentially could and should win. I saw, To me, I saw Keegan out of gas. I didn't think he should have come out for the seventh. I know maybe you're trying to push him a little bit forward, but he was clearly, in my opinion, done. And again, you have a full bullpen. Rowan Wick is not the guy to call. Now, now give him a couple low leverage starts, and if he works his way back into the circle of David Ross trust, yeah, then you can put him back out there, but but this is this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I agree uh, with you, but you can see what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. it's, it's a it's a player development versus wins and loss type of situation. I think I, I can see it as far as Keegan seeing if you can get a little bit more and keep pushing and stretching him out. That I get. I don't get Wick when he's been struggling absolutely, just unreal lately. And uh, trust me, he comes back in this series, so we'll talk a little bit more about him. But in the bottom of the seventh. Joel Cunell replaces Castillo. The Cubs are ecstatic. Uh, Rivas stingles. Bodie's hit by a pitch. Morel doubles. Rivas scores, uh, and Bodie goes to third, so the Cubs trail 5-1. to one. Ortega grounds out, but Bodie scores, so that makes it 5-2. Uh, and then Contreras singles, and now the Cubs are only down 5-3. So you're still with – you're in striking distance. And that was, I guess, was my whole point, is they came back, and if, and if it wasn't for uh, that three-run home run, now you have the lead. But – it is what it is. Um, but by keeping Keegan into that seventh, it changed a six-inning pitch, two-earned run night into a six-inning pitch, four or 6.1 inning pitch, four-earned run night. So those two runs that he put him on, he got charged on that India home run. Uh, the good news, though, is that happen wisdom, or I'm sorry, more bad news for you here, happen wisdom, there were four and five hitters, went 0 for 9 with five Ks and eight left on base. Um, yeah, I don't know that the Ian Happ for the All-Star Game t-shirts by Avia Shirts is going to work after that game. That, that left a little bit of a mark for me. That one hurt. and then But Nico, we'll talk more about him. He went three for four, and he's just looking really good. He is having a great season, Crowley. I like him a lot, but we had a good debate on the Mully and Haw show earlier this week and talked about the fact, like, is Nico's role with the next great Cubs team, even next good Cubs team as the shortstop, or is he a second baseman? Something that we should probably talk about later on. Maybe not today, but maybe we tease that, let that hang. Maybe our subscribers and listeners want to get involved via email or social media on that one. Where would you want to see Nico Horner moving forward, and have you already forgotten about Nick Madrigal? 
Who? Um, Who? Yeah. <laughs> game two, the Cubs win eight to three. I'm not there, and the party starts. Uh, Justin Steele, the Cubs' uh, young ace, and Hunter Green, who is in the, the – you can see with the guys at the, at the Reds throughout set, uh, game two and game three, they're kind of in the same boat with the Cubs. They got some really good-looking young pitching. It's just not 100% ready yet. You know what I mean? You know Hunter Green. I mean, that guy throws harder than anyone in the game. You don't see starters throwing 102 miles per hour. That's not normal. But guess what? The Cubs were able to get him. Yeah, they got him all right. That was Crowley. I, I got to tell you, we're going to get to Game Three in a little bit. But Game Two, that was about as fun of a game as I watched in a long time. I, I we're going to get to the play eventually. I mean, I that was there was some jumping off the couch, yelling things out, checking out social media, retweeting stuff. I, I was looking for somebody to fist bump and to cheers a beer with during this one. Well, an uh, uh, interesting stat that Pat Hughes brought up when I was listening to 670 The Score, listening to Pat and Ron, the Cubs had eight hits in the game. Seven of the eight hits were extra base hits. They only had one single out of eight hits. Right. Five uh, doubles, two home runs, one single. Bottom of the first, RBI double by half to score, Wilson Gutierrez, and that leads one to nothing. And Pat Hughes always brings up, you know, potential turning point moments or, or, or plays that I feel kind of change momentum. And I talked about game one, that stupid base running error by Wilson, how that might have changed things. But in this game, in the top of the fourth, the Cubs have a one nothing lead, one out. Tommy Pham has a single. He steals second. Votto walks. And, and now you got runners at first and second with one out. Kyle Farmer singles. And Tommy Pham is really fast. Okay, but he only is held to a single and the bases are loaded with one out. Donovan Solano lines into the old 8-2 double play. The ball gets lined to Morrell, who guns it to Contreras to throw out Tommy Pham. And so in those two plays right there, the, 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 the holding Pham to keeping him at third, Nelson Velasquez threw the ball in at 94.4 miles per hour to the infield from right. So he hits the cutoff man going 94.4. So that kept a run from scoring and tying the game. And Morrell's throw to Wilson was 97.3 miles per hour. That was such a great play, Crowley. So it's the it's the it's the throw. It's then the the, the tag by Contreras. You've got Justin Steele backing the play up. I thought Marquis did a wonderful job with the replay, the the high def camera, uh, and you didn't need to be any kind of a specialty rip lip reader, if you will, to see what Justin Steele. I mean, that guy was so pumped up. And before the game, before this one started, we had David Ross dropping Morrell in the lineup, so he went from batting leadoff. Struck out too many times for everybody's liking. Now he's batting ninth, and they wanted to take the pressure off him. And boy, does the pressure seem to be off Christopher Morrell, who is playing this game like he is seeing the ball like a beach ball right now. Well, in the last episode, I, I talked about this, about how the pitchers seem to have figured out Morrell, and he's going to have to adjust. So kudos for David Ross moving him down in the lineup. It looks like it was the right move. And once we get through game three, now we got a question of whether you put Morrell back at the top or you leave him in the ninth. We'll see. But this game was just so much fun. Uh, in the bottom of the fourth, after that great, those great defensive plays, back-to-back -back walks to uh, happen, wisdom. Horner had a two-run RBI double. 
And then in the fifth inning, Wilson Contreras homers Morell along for the ride. The Cubs are up five, nothing. Uh, and so you're, you're sitting here in the top of the six again, Justin Steele, who you didn't know if he was going to start. And these are when you see Steele and Keegan get tired right around the sixth, seventh inning, uh, Drury singles, fam walks, Votto doubles. So that scores Drury and the Cubs are up five, one, and you got runners at second and third, no outs. Okay. You get a single here. It's a five, three. It's a different ball game. Hats off to Scott Efros, who comes into the game, no outs, runners at second and third, and he puts out the fire. Kyle Farmer lines out to Bodie. Donovan Solano strikes out swinging, and our old friend Albert Almora grounds out. And so <laughs> the Cubs, like I said, keep that five to one lead. Bottom of the sixth inning, Morrell homers. The Cubs lead seven to one. Game over, pretty much. They win eight to three final. Yep, the party was on, and we got to fly the W finally in this series. I was hoping for a sweep, but now it's 1-1. The series is even. We had Game 3 last night. Kyle Hendricks back on the bump, coming off a really impressive outing in his last trip. So the question was, could Hendricks put another good game together back-to-back -back in Game 3? How did this one go, Crowley? Yeah, the Cubs, a big party again. They win 15-7. to Hendricks had a great outing, and, and, and it makes such a difference when you got some offensive backing, you know what I mean? But uh, we were facing Graham Ashcroft, who is another young stud pitcher that Cincinnati has. Again, they're going to have these type of games. But Hendricks went six innings pitch, gave up six hits, two runs, one walk, seven Ks. Joey Votto continues to own him. He had a solo home run. Um, the Cubs' offense was the story here, though. They scored in every inning except the fourth and the fifth. Wisdom went three for six with two home runs, including a second inning grand slam, which the Reds never came back from. He had six RBIs, a stolen base. Morrell in the ninth spot, five for five with the home run, three runs, two RBIs. Higgins went three for five with the home run, two RBIs. Horner went three for six with two runs. Phenomenal. And when you look at this one, Wisdom is the second Cubs player with two home runs, six RBIs, and a stolen base in a game since RBIs became an official stat in 1920. The only other Cub to ever do it was Andre Dawson, June 2nd, 1987, versus the Astros in his MVP year. That's a great, uh, that's a great stat right there. That is, that is unbelievable. <laughs> it, it truly was. And then Morell's, like you talked about earlier, he gets dropped to the ninth spot after the first First game of the series, he was in. He's still batting leadoff. So this was the first time since May 24th he hadn't bat leadoff, and he, like you said, the K's were an issue. They were figuring him out. They're giving a steady diet of off-speed pitches. He had 32 K's in his previous 69 appearances in the leadoff spot. In the last two games in the ninth spot of the order, he went seven for nine with four singles, two doubles, and two home runs. Crowley, I want to answer the question you put out there. I would leave him. I would leave him right where he is for right now. Leave him right where he is. Let Ortega bat leadoff. Let Morell settle in again. I, I, I'd leave him right, right there. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of leaning that way too. Just let as long as you got the hot hand, just let it ride. If he seems comfortable there, but uh, on a scary note in the game, you had uh, Nico and Bodie. It was a shift on Vado. And uh, the ball kind of came in between them and they collided and uh, looked like Bodie took the brunt of it. And it looked like his shoulder was bothering him, that same shoulder that had him out for so long. And so he was pulled out of the game precautionary. 
Uh, he finished the inning, but it, it's something to kind of keep a look at. Angelton Simmons would be would I you know obviously Jonathan Br has been DFA'd, but we'll see what happens there, and we'll see if it's, it's hard to put Morell in second base when you see him throwing the ball 97 mile per hour to the to the catcher. But uh, as I mentioned, Rowan Wick in the last 15 games, zero wins, one loss, a nine ERA. 15-inning pitch, 25 hits, 15 earned runs, 7 walks, and 13 Ks. You just, you gotta, you cannot keep this guy in here except for very low-leverage situations. Yeah, that's um, uh, that's not good. That That's that's officially, those stats, Crowley, that's officially means not good. And he was in Game 3 at garbage time and still got hit like a piñata, so no good. No good at all. Earlier we joked around, I mentioned the name Nick Madrigal, and you said who... Somebody else's name who we haven't heard a lot about, but we're going to start talking about quite frequently, Seiya Suzuki. So he was out on the farm in Iowa. What kind of a night did he have for the Iowa Cubs? Not a bad night for Seiya Suzuki. He went two for two with an RBI single and a home run. So uh, hopefully, you know, he, he puts in a ton of work. The guy, the guy really works hard, and uh, hopefully he'll be back to Chicago sooner rather than later. But seeing him on the field facing pitchers, and again, AAA pitchers, but pitchers nonetheless, it, it was a great sign, and to see him right away just jump back into it was something. He's got to be eligible, yeah. right? He could come back to the Cubs at any moment, correct? Absolutely, yeah. He's All right. Any any thought that as we head into the weekend, the Red Sox are in town, any chance say is in right field, batting third or fourth for the Cubs? Uh, you might see him in game three, I would think. You know, that's, okay. that's definitely well, that's a possibility, something to, so... That's something to keep an eye on. Just another reason to check in with us next week when we uh, are wrapping up the uh, Red Sox series. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, Odyssey Sports, and we are going to talk to Paul Sully Sullivan, great MLB Bigfoot for the Chicago Tribune, long-time guy, Sully talking all things Cubs, Wrigley Field, the Bleacher Bums. Let's listen to him. Our next guest on Fly, the W, one of my longtime favorite reads. Uh, we have Paul Sullivan from In the Wake of the News uh, with the Chicago Tribune. How you doing, Paul? Good. How are you, Crawley? Ah, doing great. I'm glad you're able to join us today. Uh, I have been reading your articles for many, many years, and we've gone to many, many Cubs cons, and I've always just appreciated your work. And you wrote an article the other day that talked about bleacher culture. And I thought it was an interesting piece because of 
uh, a lot of what's going on on social media, people kind of arguing and sniping over kind of proper protocols or what's acceptable behavior in the bleachers. Tell me about what kind of inspired you to get out into the bleachers the other day. I think it was in the Brave series and, and talk to people about what's going on out there. Well, I, I've been writing about the bleachers for, uh, you know, since the 80s, honestly, for the Tribune. I wrote one on the, I think, the 50th anniversary in 1987. I've been out there. I used to sit with Bill Vack, so I did some stuff on him. I remember doing something on the final game of the 1983 season, even before I was a sports writer. So it's always been something that's interested me. And uh, as you know, when I write about the Cubs, I don't just write about the team. I, I think of the Cubs as a whole uh, cornucopia of stuff, like from the fans to the stadium. Uh the owners to Ronnie Wu to whatever, you know, the Cubs is more than just following the baseball team. To me, it's a, just a cultural thing in Chicago. And uh, so I just decided to go out there last week. I hadn't been out there all year and kind of check the pulse. Cause I, when I was home watching a couple of these games, uh, I think it was the Cardinal series back to back games on Fox and ESPN. Both of them really, uh, showed so much of the cup thing that I was like amazed because I don't really see it when I'm watching on marquee. Um, when I'm not working, obviously I'm usually at the games, but, uh, so I just wondered, uh, you know, what they were doing and what, why they were doing it, whether security was, you know, on them. And then it just, I talked to some people and, uh, just turned into a whole kind of like a generational look at, how every generation comes in and does their own thing and the older bleacherites, you know, either reject them or try and get along with them. And it's just an ongoing thing for, uh, that I've seen since the, the late eighties or yeah. probably early eighties really. And so when you talk about the cup snakes, that's kind of the big one. And it started, like you said in your article about four or five years ago. And at first security was absolutely grabbing them and absolutely not putting them down right away. And then shortly after, it was kind of decided, okay, as long as you don't cross sections, that's fine. And there was one instance, I think it was last season, where the bleacher cups, uh, the snake, fell onto the field and stopped the play. And so it's yeah, interesting. That's no good. <laughs> it's interesting in this regard, like you were talking about. I think it was a quote you had of Bill Vec who said, This is a place where generations can get along. And I'm not a bleacher bum by any, uh, any stretch. I sit in the bowl. But if you could see the shirt I'm wearing right here for the podcast listeners, uh, Joe Obvious made this one, uh, no wave at Wrigley. And, and when I was growing up, and, and I did go to the bleachers a lot more back, actually, when I was younger, before I had season tickets, it was this, you know, the three rules. There's no ties at Wrigley, no wave at Wrigley, and you throw the opposing home run ball back. And to me, that's kind of what makes Wrigley special is, is you honor and respect the traditions of those mm -hmm. that came before you, you know. And I feel like for me, when you talk about the waiver, you talk about the cup snakes, you're not paying attention to the game. Like uh, a friend of mine who's a bleacher bum, uh, bleacher Jeff, you know, always says, hey, look, if the score is 20 to one, well, yeah, cup snake away. But if it's a close game, cheer, be involved in that in the game and what's going on. Well, yeah, I, I agree. You know, if the game's out of hand and, you know, you're bored and you want to collect some cups, you know, <laughs> Godspeed. Uh, 
I did. I didn't really realize until I went out there that uh, some, the. I thought people just didn't like it because it's you know idiots not watching the game, but uh, it was brought up to me that you know the cups inevitably fall apart the cup snakes and there's still beer wash in those and it like goes all over people and that would be really disgusting to spend the rest of your day uh in someone else's beer wash uh, i wouldn't like that too much but uh i do think that no go ahead uh, not only that i don't want to be sitting holding somebody's cup while i'm watching the game you know yeah well I mean, those people volunteer, right? I mean, you don't have to hold the cup, do you? I don't know how that works. It's usually people that are holding the cups are they're in on it. It's just the innocent bystanders. And as I pointed out in the story, I was once uh, ejected from Wrigley as a fan. Uh, and we had these little like spray bottles, like plant spray stuff. And we were just, it was 100 degrees. We were spraying each other, just little sprinkles of water. And somebody, got a sprinkle of water on them complained about me and they they kicked me out and i'm like are you kidding me <laughs> and they yeah took me down to a station it was a whole thing so uh yeah i guess uh you know it's always something at wrigley field but uh cup snakes to me is kind of a funny thing but a lot of people out there really don't like them so uh i don't, I don't know what you do if you're the cubs uh they say marquee's not showing them on TV, or at least the collecting of them. I don't know how you can totally ignore it when just a camera shot. But um, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think most people think? Are they really anti-cup or do they give it a damn? A I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to tell you, I get yelled at because there has been some video of me stopping waves. I've literally said, nope, there's no wave. I've shut down waves whenever they come in my section. And people Well, the wave say, is different. Right. Don't you think? Uh, the wave is a national thing that we don't do in Chicago or we try not to. It does happen. But that's something that started. I mean, remember when it started and uh, we wanted to be the city that didn't do the wave, especially um, in Cubs. But this is a thing that uh, seems like even though it happens other places, it's really a Wrigley Field thing, the cup thing. So when am I, I wrong? Uh, I think I think the cup thing kind of started actually in like soccer matches in Europe and kind of oh, got really? brought okay. over. Yeah, got kind of got brought over here. And, and, and from there, it's kind of not, you know, Wrigley's just the perfect Petri dish for the uh, for the cup snakes. You got a bunch of people having fun drinking beers and there's cups everywhere. So I think it probably works out and especially the way the bleachers are laid out. But I would yeah. say I, I would say that there's two schools of thought when we talk about this situation. You have the hardcore bleacher bums, and these are the guys that come every day, and they and they do cross generations. Uh, you know, uh, rest his soul. George Weissman passed away uh, prior to the season this year. You know, just just a and I remember yeah. a, I remember a picture of George holding the no wave at Wrigley with the wave and a red line through it and stuff like that. And there are uh, there are really good bleacher bum fans. Whether you know. I'm thinking of Bleacher Tony or Danny Rocket or Bleacher Jeff or my tie guy and these kind of guys that get along really well with the old school guard. And it's, it's, it's like a passing of the baton. But there's also a new school that I think really kind of goes on social media and talks about, you know, there's why are you gatekeeping? And I never heard that that term before gatekeeping. So gatekeeping is you are preventing people from enjoying what they want to do. 
And so for me, it's kind of like, for a lot of people, Wrigley's like our home, right? And so if, if, if I have just some certain rules of the house, you expect people to follow. You don't have, you don't come in and just do whatever you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, but it's really, it's not your house. It's the Cubs <laughs> house. Uh, you know, it seems like our house sometimes, but they do own it. And, uh, if they want to stop the cup snakes, then, um, you know, they should be able to do that. Um, I'd like to see a real poll on, you know, what bleacherites think of it. Cause it is a very diverse crowd, not diverse as, as far as, uh, you know, culturally, but you know, as far as age groups, uh, young and old, but mostly it's age. It's mostly young people there that are, don't you think populating it? You, you even have the left and right field bleachers, which is almost two completely different cultures. So, you know, I don't know, Sully, maybe one day you're going to be the one that writes the book on the, 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 the bleachers. But I, I, you know, I look back, my dad was in the bleachers in the sixties, you know, not a bleacher bum, but that's where he'd like to go. And, you know, with Dick Selma and, and kind of some of the chants and the way that it started, obviously alcohol has always fueled it, but, uh, you know, it was, it was about, you know, cheers and being goofy and, and whether you talk about, uh, Mike Murphy with the bugle and all that stuff, there's such a culture. And like you wrote about this, this age divide, or at least this opinion of what is acceptable and non-acceptable behavior in the bleachers. Yeah. And there's also, you know, I mean, even besides all that, there was always the Ronnie Wu uh, question because he, he was, I've known him since I started going there in the, probably the seventies. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that really don't like him being there, <laughs> but to me, I think he's part of the whole cub thing is, you know, Ronnie's there. He's not harming anyone. As far as I can tell, he's just a, you know, a lovable old cub fan who likes wearing his cub uniform and, and cheering. But some people, uh, you either love him or you don't want to see him ever again. And, I know he is a publicity hog, so I, I, you know, get that out of the way for sure. He is a publicity hog, but you know, he's just a guy that's trying to enjoy his life and root for the Cubs. So I, I find him harmless too. You wrote another interesting article just the other day about the summer of discontent here on both sides of town. I was at the game last night, and there was definitely people frustrated with David Ross and his handling of Keegan Thompson coming out later. Uh, and on the South side, there's a lot of, uh, you know, people unhappy with, you hear the fire Tony chants. It is, it, what do you think is going on as far from a Cubs perspective? Do you think that fans are kind of starting to lose patience with Ross or do you think because of his world series um, with the Cubs, he kind of has a little bit more leash than maybe most managers would. Um, I haven't heard uh, that much about Ross people being upset because I think most people know that, you know, the team is, is just not any good and uh, there isn't much he can do. Uh, you know, there are times like, uh, like you said, uh, people were upset last night that he left Keegan in too long or whatever. Uh, but that's going to be, that's going to happen with any manager in any game. People are going to disagree with how he handles the pitching. Uh, but as far as, you know, really a lot of people, anti-Ross. I don't see that. I've, I've never heard him booed. If, if, have you heard him booed? Maybe I'm no, I, I wouldn't him. say he's booed, but I would say that people, especially the Jason Hayward situation. And, and yeah. he was, he was in, uh, he was on uh, a, a different podcast the other day mentioning about loyalty and stuff like that. And I think there is a frustration level with, okay, if you, you know, is this your friend that you're putting in or is this for the betterment of the team? And so I, I guess I'm hearing more chatter now than I have in the past. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, this is a really bad season and a really, really bad month. Um, I mean, since the start of June, (laughs) basically since that Yankee series, it's been pretty uh, hard to watch. So, yeah, it's, you know, if they don't uh, start winning some of these games, it's going to get uglier. But, uh, you know, I I still think that uh, he, not that he gets the benefit of the doubt, but he's just going to get less um, criticism than someone like LaRusa, who has a team that's built to win and is not winning. He, he has a team that's basically built to lose and is, is losing. One more question I had for you. You know, I, I was walking around Wrigley yesterday, and I'm just, I guess it's still kind of jarring to me to see that sport book, the DraftKings sports book going up. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the sports book being at Wrigley? Well, I mean, it was probably inevitable that it was going to happen. Um, just another giant revenue producer for the Cubs, uh, you know, renting out this building, this space and renting it out to them. I've, I've been inside uh, and it is just huge. It's it's amazing to, to see that they had that much space available there. You know, you kind of forget that this is right behind the uh, visiting clubhouse uh, area. So... Uh, it is interesting. I I thought originally that people would be able to go in during games and bet, and that's not the case, which I think is kind of weird and counterproductive to the success of it. Because, uh, I mean, why have a sports book in a sports stadium if you can't go in there during a game (laughs) and make a bet? That just seems weird. I I Uh, haven't heard that. So you, you, so from what you're hearing, you can't go from the game into the sports book. Unless I'm wrong, that's that's what I heard. You have to like, uh, well, you can leave the stadium and go to the sports book, or you could go to the sports book before the game and put your stuff down and go in. But I don't think during the game you can go in there. I'm sure you can still do stuff on your phone, and you know, it's maybe it's not that big a deal. I'm, I'm not a gambler, but to me, that the issue is uh, it's just so ugly seeing that thing go up and just knowing that every couple years another piece of Wrigley Field is is changed um you know we're kind of used to it now with the you know the the office building and the just the neighborhood is so different now and I I actually do think Gallagher Way turned out really nice I have to give him credit on that one Mm -hmm. Uh, I like the big video board there that people can watch the game on and I think that was a good idea but yeah just building an annex to uh, Wrigley Field uh, for, uh, for this, just, you know, I don't, I don't, I just think it looks, it's going to look ugly and just like, kind of like soldier field when they did the remodel and just lop the giant spaceship on top of the columns. It's just kind of ruining a iconic stadium. And, and, and for a lot of people that don't know, uh, is that the, where the sport book is going to be off of, uh, Addison and Sheffield right there is is right where you get off in the red line and for a lot of people the first image that you see of wrigley if you're coming from that direction now instead of seeing wrigley right away you're going to see this sports book so i'm not a gambler either and and so yeah. it's kind of like eh. it's kind of yeah. like when you we go down clark street and you'd see wrigley field and it looks so cool now you see a giant office building uh <laughs> or you see like the hotel or you know pretty soon it's just going to be the marquee and the uh the center field uh, sign and that's all you're going to be able to see. I, I used to love when you go by in the L and uh, see Wrigley, but now that's all blocked by rooftops. So, uh, you know, it's, you're never going to ruin Wrigley field. It's too cool for that, but you're really uh, making it uh, 
worse, I think, in my opinion. Well, Paul, I appreciate you coming on here. I continue to enjoy your work, and 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 I, I think about all the fun years uh, at Kitty O'Shea's and all the good times, and, and just keep doing what you're doing, man, because I love your work. And uh, where would people, if they wanted to uh, kind of see some of your work, where would they go looking? Uh, ChicagoTribune.com. I've been there like 40 years or so, and uh, <laughs> my uh, Twitter is uh, P.W. Sullivan. Uh, it's been there since '09, and uh, I don't know if I'm on uh, Instagram. Probably P.W. Sullivan. Got a lot of Wrigley Field pictures, stuff like that. And, uh, I don't know. It, just look around, Google me. You'll see me somewhere. We'll find you. You're a legend. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, Sully. All right, thanks, Carl. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Fly the W podcast. This is season one. It is episode 11. We called this one Ripping the Reds. Cubs fans, the Cubs got to fly the W not once but twice after beating the Reds two games out of three. We are now moving, turning the page, if you will, over to the weekend. And as we're recording this Friday morning, the Red Sox, they are in town. They will be at Wrigley this afternoon. You can listen to the game. On 670 The Score, you can use that Odyssey app to do it. And we've had our first ever crossover event with the Odyssey podcast, 2400 Sports. Inside the Monster joined us to preview Cubs and Red Sox at Wrigley on this holiday weekend. This is a special series preview here for Red Sox-Cubs, a series that does not happen that often. It should happen way more often. This is presented by Odyssey. My name is Steve Peralt. His name is Joey Capone. Hello. And we are joined today by Paul from Fly the W Podcast. Paul, yeah. it, it, I, want, I want the full breakdown, Paul. Introduce yourself. What, what's your preferred name? I want the whole background. <laughs> Go. The floor is yours. Anyone that knows me, uh, Cub fan wise, knows me as Crawley from Crawley. At, there we yeah, go. All right. At, at Crawley's Cubs, I've uh, been a uh, Cub fan for 40 years, season ticket holder for close to 25 years. Uh, I actually presented Miguel Montero, his World Series ring on the field for that special occasion. So I'm just a Wrigley Cubs junkie, memorabilia collector. Just absolutely love everything. Live and die with this team, even though I shouldn't. <laughs> I will never call you Paul again. It's Crawley from now on moving forward. I knew I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Crawley, but we're going to stick with the official name to start here. Uh, so we have a big series coming up here. A big series. I obviously say that more because of the history of the teams and the parks. And it kills me. And I got to ask you, Crawley, first off, why don't the Red Sox and Cubs play more often? Doesn't it feel like this should happen? This should be like a home and home like every other year, right? Absolutely. I mean, when you're talking about the two oldest ballparks in MLB with uh, Fenway and Wrigley, two passionate fan bases. I mean, this is kind of a good marquee matchup that you would think that MLB would want to showcase more often. Yeah, I'm just I'm kind of stunned that it's not something that happens frequently. Joey and I. We had the plan to get to Wrigley. We were going to get there. And then we kind of picked the all-star week over (laughs) Red Sox Cubs. It it is what it is. But ideally, and and I I think from the, the, uh, what I hear, it's going to be 
interleague series moving forward now with every team. Is that true? Yeah, that's what that, that was from the last CBA that they bargained. So we may be seeing a lot more of each other. And uh, I'm mad that I didn't go the last, uh, what was it? I think it was 2017. They were in Fenway last time yeah. the Cubs went to Fenway. And I was mad that I just, something was happening and I just absolutely could not make it. But I've never been to Fenway and it's been a dream of mine to go over there. I went to that that series and saw Arietta bring a no hitter into the eighth inning. And I'm like, I, as that's going on, I'm like, do I want this? I've always wanted to see a no hitter, but you don't want to see your team get no hit. I remember going to Wrigley for the first time in 05 and almost saw Carlos Zambrano throw a no hitter. And I'm like, I don't know what it is with the coast, but you guys are always flirting with no, nos over there. Have you ever come close to seeing a no, no, or, or yeah, you, one you know? time I was really close. It was probably one of the most amazing non postseason games I went to. Uh, this I want to say it was 2010 and the Chicago Blackhawks just won their first Stanley Cup when they went on that run. And uh, it was a really cool moment because they came out from under the bleachers with the cup and it was Cubs versus White Sox, which is uh, the crosstown team that we face uh, often. And everybody was on all the teams. They took a big picture with the cup on the pitcher's mound. And then the next thing you know, I, it was almost a dual no hitter. Uh, uh, God, it was Gavin Floyd, I want to say, and it was Ted Lilly for the Cubs. And the Cubs got a run and a hit, their first hit, and they got a run in the seventh inning. And so that ended their no-hitter in the seventh, and ours went into the top of the ninth. And uh, former Cub Juan Pierre had a single, so that was it. So I that, and I almost went, I had tickets, and I couldn't make it. It was a no-hitter that Carlos Zambrano threw here in Milwaukee, which was a home game for mm. Houston. They had a huge hurricane, and they they were right. waiting last minute, and then they moved it. I mean, all the poor you know Astros were so tired; they were waiting all night and had to fly and couldn't lift a bat. And we took advantage. So, hey, what are you gonna do? How do we feel, Joey? I I, I don't know if we've talked about this before on the podcast. Mm -hmm. How do we feel about the combined no nos? I know. Well, the Yankees getting a combined no hitter thrown against them. I'm like, all right, it's perfectly fine. It's a normal no no. That counts. Any mm -hmm. other team. I'm like, eh, I don't know if it really does much for me. No, I guess it's cool enough, but I mean, there's no one guy to celebrate. You know, there's just no hero of the night, which I think is kind of the whole point of a no-hitter, right? It's not the fact that you kept the other team from not yeah. getting a hit. It's the fact that one guy was able to do it, you know, was I able think to go. Does, yeah, a big part of it is that guy's on the graphic, and then it's mm. like the team hugging him, and it's like, yeah, mm. you made it the whole way without giving up any hits. But if I was in person, I mean, technically, I saw the Red Sox get no hit this year in, in Tampa. It was nine innings. They had no hits, and then they it went to extras because it was 0-0. Zero, zero. That was one of the weirdest baseball things I think I've ever seen. But, uh, but anyway, no more no-hitter talk. We are going to talk Red Sox-Cubs. This series coming up here. And Crawley, we're leaning on you for for the Cubs updates. I kind of want just the state of Cubs fans right now. Just the vibes at Wrigley. Understandable, you guys traded a lot of your studs from that World Series run last deadline. First off, how was that for you? I, I genuinely want to know from a Cubs fan standpoint, how was that seeing Rizzo and KB and those guys get dealt? Obviously, that was very painful. I was at the game before it all started. We call it Blue Friday. It was a massacre. It was within yeah. 24 hours. I think Rizzo was first, then Baez, and then Bryant. And we all knew that they were all coming up, that this was it. We figured they would extend one of the three. And so there was just always a debate. Who we keep? Are we going to keep Javi? Are we going to keep Rizzo? Are we going to keep Bryant? Who do we want? And then in the end, it turned out we got none of them. So we traded, uh, I think there was eight trades in the two weeks up to the trade deadline, pretty much gutted the team. 
the returns were very good. And obviously nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear about lottery tickets and prospects and all that stuff. But the Cubs farm system needed an infusion of talent. They have it, whether that pans out. I don't know. I mean, obviously we still love Rizzo uh, caught the final out. He, he was there uh, during the dark period, during the rebuild and, and, and caught the final out in the world series. So he's not only that, he's a great guy, just a great guy. He does a lot for the community. Uh, we have Lurie's children hospital. So he would visit cancer patients without the fanfare, didn't have all the camera. He would just go all the time, just kind of on his own. Uh, yeah. You guys know from uh, John Lester and Anthony Rizzo, both former Red Sox, that they had that connection to the cancer community. They both dealt with cancer in their own way. So uh, it, it was tough. And so, you know, we're going through a rebuild right now and it's not easy that the, the Cubs organization is asking us to do a second rebuild within 10 years. Um, you, the Cubs have the highest ticket price of any of the fan base. And you guys know as well, it always is Cubs, Red Sox, Yankees, some combination of the three who's paying mm -hmm. the most, but yep. at least you guys get to see a quality product on the field. I'm paying the highest ticket prices in baseball to watch a triple a team. Yeah. And, th and that's mm -hmm. where we're kind of frustrated right now is, is that as a major market team, we should not be 15th in payroll. And they keep telling us, well, when the time is right, we'll pay. It's like, well, okay. What does that do for me now? I'm still paying $13 for a Bud Light. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's very true. I know from these guys getting dealt and, and you noticed behind me, the Nomar Jersey immediately. And that that's just, that's a true Cubs fan. Cause those are Cubs colors. A lot of people would see that Jersey and think, ah, that maybe that's no, those are Cubs colors. That's the, the red, that's the blue. And I know I've given you the story about that. And I talked about it on our podcast before of buying it, you know, just stick with Nomar when they traded him and all that. How do you feel about Javi and KB and Rizzo? How do you feel when you're seeing them do big things elsewhere. And I, I, I know with the Tigers, it's not, there's only so many big things you can do, but really talking about Rizzo with the Yankees run right now, is it like, yeah, that's our guy. Or is it more, he should still be here. Uh, you know, you're, you're happy for him. You, you know, there's no better place for Rizzo to play than Yankee stadium. That short yeah. porch is literally made for a guy like Rizzo. So you, I'm never going to boo them, even when they show up here. You know, I hope they go 0 for 5, but I'm never going to boo any of those guys. Uh, I got to see a World Series. I got to hug my dad. Stuff that, you know, when you're talking about 108-year drought, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. There's no way all of those guys will forever be in my heart special players. So do I get frustrated? I mean, not really. I, I think Rizzo should have retired a Cub. That's the one that really kind of gets to you more than anything. Um, but we're doing the best that we can. We have a lot of talent in the minor leagues, but you know, we're, we're acting like the Oakland A's right now and not the major market team. That's where we get frustrated. It's we have, we have great talent in single high and low single a some good talent in double a, but that's, you know, three, four years away. Yeah. That part of it's that it's just not fun as a fan. And I think for Sox fans, we don't really go through that that much. We have some bad seasons, but they're never really full rebuilds because by the next year they probably paid for somebody to to come here a big free agent so it, it rarely happens that it's a long-term rebuild but one thing i did want to ask because i find a way to get nomar into every single show i know you had said before we started recording that you were at nomar's debut for the cubs and i'm curious just what that vibe was like i know i cried for days when they traded him and obviously it was a little weird seeing them in a Cubs uniform, as I'm sure it's similar for you, seeing Rizzo and Yankees and Baez and Tigers and on and on you go. What was that like, Nomar's debut at Wrigley Field? 
Absolutely electric. It was, you know, we knew him as a superstar. We didn't know him that well, obviously being in the American league, but obviously seeing him in all-star games and, and just as baseball fans. So there was, there was a definitely an awesome vibe. Um, came close to the world series. You guys remember 2003, the A's LC. I mean, think about MLB. They almost had a Cubs versus Red Sox world series to end a drought. And instead they got the Marlins versus the Yankees. It so, just kind of ended in six, and it was like whatever. <laughs> that that World Series, is, you could ask me what happened. All I remember is Beckett tag and Posada. I have no idea what else happened in that World Series. I, I, it drives me nuts because that was 2003 is probably one of the best Cubs teams I ever saw. But you know, yeah. 2004 we had a lot of injuries, and, and and we still felt like we were competitive. And then we got Nomar in the trade, and we were like, oh, this is great, you know. And so I was there his debut, and all the Chicago fans, we all pretended to have fake Boston. Nomar, Nomar, we're yelling and. And, and just how it traditionally was for the Cubs, we got a guy that was kind of past his prime and never really did much. You know, there's a long list of Fred McGriffs and Nomar Garcia-Paras and those type of guys that we get when they're pretty much tapped out. Yeah, that, that part of it's always tough. I mean, Nomar with the Cubs. So he gets dealt to you guys in 04. He hits 297 in 43 games, so not terrible. Right. 283 in 05. But yeah, I mean, he had kind of a resurgence, a resurgence rather with the Dodgers. I remember yeah. he had uh, an all-star year in 06 after he goes to L.A. So that I get it from your perspective of like we thought we're getting a star and then it's a guy that can be banged up and was sadly on the tail end of his productive years. He, he tore a groin and, yeah. and, and that really affected him, obviously. So it just we just didn't the most we really kind of got out of Nomar was we had Mia Hamm sing the, uh, the seventh <laughs> inning stretch a couple times. <laughs> that's a that's a big win right there. Hey, and it's sold still, jerseys. It's still killing it. Yeah, I know. I sure, know. ownership was happy about that. Yeah, I you see know, you yeah. see, yeah. <laughs> you see the fans still come. I still see a couple Nomar jerseys every now and then. Yeah, the Nomar jersey. Seeing that at the park is always exciting for me. So I was gonna say this is now normally when we do the pitching matchups, but I'm looking at the Cubs and you got a <laughs> bunch of TBDs. So. Uh, well, well. I you think I didn't do my homework, Steve. All right, so yeah, let me let me do it like we normally do it here. So as always, it is now time for the pitching matchups, and for that, we toss it over to Joey Capone. Am I doing the full pitching preview? No, do I don't the, have do a, I don't have <laughs> no. everything ready. You told me I wasn't. All right, Crowley here. Oh, I, know, let me, no, let me I feel you in here. Failure there. Basically, we do socks, guys. Yeah, we do a pitching preview every every uh, series preview that we do. Right? Yeah, and people love it. People DM us. They're emailing me. People are texting me John saying, Henry's like, this is the greatest segment of all time. Yeah, I, I get DMs and say this segment saved my life. <laughs> and I believe those people when they say it. Uh, but Steve told me, hey, don't we're just kind of going to go casual. Don't really, you know, don't really deep dive into stats and then tosses it to me to do this preview. So we're not deep shooting diving, from Joey. the hip. We're not deep diving. We're not. OK. Deep diving. All right. Well, so these n names might be wrong. Um, this is judging off how the how the rotation has gone for the Cubs. Okay, so unless there's a major change that I'm not aware of, this is uh, the expected but unannounced starters. Uh, game one is going to be Rich Hill versus Adrian Sampson. Um, so Hill, to, to fill you in, Crawley, Hill has actually had a pretty solid June. He did struggle a little bit in May. Uh, made five starts in June uh, and leaves with a 3-0 ERA, uh, 26 strikeouts in 27 innings pitched. Uh, tell me about Adrian Sampson. Adrian Sampson is an interesting one. Uh, just to kind of give you guys some background on the Cubs season, we had a plan. And of course, it didn't go according to plan that you were we, we signed Marcus Stroman in the offseason. And so Kyle Hendricks has been our kind of steady ace, you would say. And then we had we signed 
three guys to be in the rotation. And that was Marcus Stroman, uh, Wade Miley and Drew Smiley. And pretty much all of those guys other than Kyle Hendricks have been injured. So when we talk about Wade Miley, he's made four starts. Stroman's made nine starts and Drew Smiley's only made nine starts. We have a bunch of young studs and they were supposed to be battling for that fifth starter spot. And that's where you get Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson. And there's another guy, Edward Alzali, who's been injured all season. So the plan was we had those five star, those four starters. One of the young guys was going to be the fifth starter. And then the other two were going to be those kind of piggyback guys that would do two to three innings. And with all these injuries, Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele have been our best pitchers really this whole year, but they just have pitched in the red series that we're currently in right now. Adrian Sampson has looked really good. He's kind of got an interesting history. He was drafted by the Pirates, got traded to Seattle. He made his debut against Boston in 2016. And so he, but uh, he was relieving for an injured Wade Miley, go figure. And so he ends up kind of in this weird path, but he ends up in Chicago and he's been doing pretty solid for the Cubs right now. Uh, His last start, he gave up two runs in five innings, but I was actually, you know, when I I was at the game and he didn't pitch bad, it was just, uh, he gave up two runs. It was a bloop double and a 37 mile per hour single that just flared out there where nobody was. They scored two runs. That was against the Cardinals. So he's been doing really well. And, and so, so hoping, you know, he was called, he was riding the Iowa shuttle to AAA back and forth. And so the last two outings he had, one of them was a long relief. One of them was a start looked really solid. So hoping for good things, but you know, can't predict what's going to happen on this one. Right on. So uh, game two, the series is Josh Winkowski versus Alec Mills. Uh, Winkowski had three starts in June, walks away with a 2-1-2 ERA in 17 innings pitched. Uh, I did look up a little bit of Alec Mills because it was a name that uh, was not too familiar with. Uh, he's he's struggling, huh? Four, his four-seamers getting hit uh, at a 313 clip, and his fastball tops out at 89 miles an hour. Oof. Yeah, the Cubs kind of do really well. They they pick up they've cornered the market on guys that throw ninety mile per hour fastballs. <laughs> so with uh, Alec Mills, he actually threw a new no hitter against uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, so that was a couple years back. But Alec Mills uh, was a potential fifth starter for us this year. He ended up having a back injury, and then while he was coming back from that, he had a quad injury. So he hasn't had a lot of starts this season. He's a deceptive pitcher. And uh, the Cubs like to use him as a Swiss army knife. So sometimes he'll take a step spot start. Sometimes he'll, he'll, if a, if a starter gets knocked out in the second, he'll, he'll give you three, four innings. Uh, so he, he gets used for a lot of different things. He's just not somebody that you want to be a consistent starter. He, he works best. Like I said, in that Swiss army role is what David Ross likes to use him in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, game three of this series is this one technically is uh, a double TBD. Neither of these guys are officially announced. So these are a little bit of guesswork here. Uh, it's Connor Siebold and Keegan Thompson. So uh, a, a showdown of aces here. Uh, yeah. Siebold uh, spent most of this year in AAA, made 11 starts at 209 ERA down there. Uh, just made his first major league start of the year in Toronto. He went four and two thirds with seven strikeouts. And, uh, <coughs> Um, seven earned runs and three home runs. Um, <laughs> yeah, but David Price said he was great. And so. David Price did text Alex Cora and say, this guy looks good, which honestly, we didn't talk about it, but that sounds sarcastic, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, that- he, had, he definitely, he missed some bats, but 
at the same time, it's like the, the guy gave up seven runs and nine hits, and it's it's like, okay, David, yeah. maybe save that text. Yeah, are you be, are you digging right now? Like, yeah, say, like, hey, nice job, that guy looks great. That guy looks great. Yeah, um, nice prospect you got there. Uh, but Keenan, I mean Keegan Thompson, who is this fella? Tell us about it. Well, Keegan, Keegan is a really, really, he's been our most dependable and solid pitcher so far this year. Uh, like I said, his, when he first started, when, when we had everybody for the most part, other than uh, Wade Miley in the rotation, he would come in and take three or four innings and he was absolutely lights out. And they basically asked him, Hey, you know, we need you to start because of the situation. So he wasn't stretched out. So started, you know, three innings here, started going four innings. What you're going to see with Keegan is that, you know, once he, you know, last game he pitched, he did really well. He gave up two runs. I was at the game. It was on, uh, what was it, Tuesday night versus Cincinnati. I just saw him pitch at Wrigley. And he looked really good. He gave up two runs in the sixth. But kind of you could see he was throwing some wild pitches, kind of running out of gas. Uh, David Ross tried to extend him one more inning. And so he got charged with a couple runs. But we have an awful guy in the bullpen right now in Rowan Wick. I don't know why Ross called him in. And so uh, two of the runs that he was charged with in his last start really was off a home run, home run that Jonathan India hit. But uh, he, he's a great pitcher. He, he has a reliever's mentality. He's, he'll go at you with the fastball. And his secondary pitches are really kind of starting to come along. It's just a matter of he, he wasn't stretched out to be a starter. So you'll, if you can, you know, have long at bats, if you can, you know, he, he struggles once he starts getting into that sixth inning, you know, uh, I think he went 6.1 last, last start and that was the career high for him. So just normally a bullpen guy that's, that's morphed into a starter just out of necessity, but uh, Cup fans have a lot of uh, with the two guys that I told you, Justin Steele or Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele, and you guys will see Keegan. That's been giving Cub fans um, some hope because we that was the biggest problem in the Theo era is that they never developed any homegrown pitching. We had all sorts of hitters come up, but we could not develop pitching whether in the bullpen or as starters for that whole run, and that ended up costing them because they had to constantly keep trading farm pieces, whether it was Glabar Torres. Or, or other other guys to try to get those pieces that they didn't have in the farm system that could pitch. Love that. I've never felt more prepared for a pitching preview here than we have right now. Joey does an amazing job, but naturally we're not fans of the other teams. We don't have all the ins and outs of the other teams. Um, but that is that is wonderful. Joey, was there anything else to add to the pitching matchups? I think that'll do it for that. Yeah, that's it three games what if imagine if keenan thompson was pitching for the cubs i, I know you almost said that I, there. yeah no i liked our chances more <laughs> when i thought it was retired snl star keenan thompson on the mound well is he done with snl yet is that is that confirmed he's he got right he I I think think otherwise he's, he's been there for 25 years i hope he's still going i love keenan all the way back to the nickelodeon days but that would be hilarious if it's like a season's kind of getting away from you and it's like we're gonna have a celebrity pitch today like who cares we're gonna throw him out there and just see what happens i'd be a fan of that yeah bill murray in game three of the series <laughs> yeah why not who says no um, bill murray versus mark Wahlberg. Oh, yeah. oh my there god. Go. Ratings, dude. Are you kidding me? Ooh. Put that on Fox. Would you yeah, say so... would you say he's your biggest celebrity fan, Mark Wahlberg? Who would you say is the biggest celebrity fan <sighs> when it comes to Boston fans? I don't even know. I mean, all of the there's so many of those Boston guys, but I don't ever believe them when they're at a game. I think like I believe no. Ben Affleck when I see him, but I mean, I don't know if the Sox are I think the Sox are his big team, right? I think Ben used to care more. And then he started doing more movies and he's like, I just don't have the time to watch these games. I, I, cause they, yeah. I remember him in, 
uh, Ben Affleck and uh, and Matt, Matt Damon, Damon were at the clincher in L.A. And they're doing something with Jimmy Kimmel and they had shirts on that said like he's was stupid. I'm like, guys, this is a clincher for the World Series. This isn't a great time to be doing bits like the Eagles <laughs> care a little bit more. But in terms of I mean, Lil Wayne cares a lot about the Red Sox. He's a legit Red Sox fan. I think he actually really actually follows the team. Outside of that, it's not like there's a lot of obvious ones. Mark Wahlberg will show up for some big games, but more of like a hey, you know, Mocky Mox over, like give me give me some attention over here. It's not I don't think he knows, you know, all that much about Alex Verdugo. So it, it's mm. I don't think we really have like Bill Murray oh. is such a diehard. I don't, we don't have that, I don't think. Yeah, we got Bill, Bill Burr. Murray. Sorry, Bill, Bill Burr's Burr. Yeah, been Bill, in the Bill Burr's been a good. lot yeah, this yeah. year. Yeah. He, yeah, he's hilarious. I love him. He's the man, dude. He's so funny, I, and I know part of that is because he's promoting a uh, comedy special he has at Fenway in August. But he yeah. is just, in terms of like guaranteed to laugh, Bill Burr is up there in in those power rankings. Uh, this time of the show is always dedicated to series predictions. And Crawley, if you don't have one, you can just make one up. We normally pick like one thing or a guy that we hope to click. And we kind of roll with that. I'll start it off just real fast here. I think it's JD's time. JD Martinez's time to turn it up. He has been his last 11 games. He's hitting 136. He's got an OPS of 379. That's what his batting average was earlier in the year. Uh, it's been a tough go. No home runs. Only one extra base hit in that span. He did get hit by a pitch and that drove in a run. So that was nice uh, against the Blue Jays there on Wednesday. But it feels like JD is never slumping that long. And when it's been 11 games, that's very long for him. So I'm ready for him to to click out of that. Maybe have a couple of homers that what's the street, by the way, Crawley, what are the, what are the streets past the seats? So you got Waveland on the left field side and Sheffield okay. on the right field side. Waveland, I got Sheffield. JD hitting one to Waveland. That's what I got him doing. I'm a Chicago guy. Hey, get me a deep dish pizza. So Whoa, I, are you a native, dude? That sounds good. That sounds that's good. Exactly that's a good sound like. Um, but yeah, Crawley, what do you got for a prediction uh, before we head to Joey? Oh boy, um, I'm, I, I as a fan, I want to say two out of three, but I'm going to try to be a realist here and go one out of three. I think they take the Keegan start on Sunday. Wilson Contreras, uh, the poor guy has been, you know, they were pretty much marching him out the door and he's our all-star. He's absolutely an all-star, but mm. take a look. I'm looking for Wilson Contreras to really kind of light it up. One other guy, Nico Horner, who is our shortstop and is having just an absolutely phenomenal season. Do you think real quick, do you think Contreras is getting dealt at the deadline? I think so. I, I, I think, and, and I can't even give you a really good reason. He's a guy that is a, a leader in the clubhouse uh, you see what his bat does. He absolutely destroys. He's, he's a catcher. But now that we have the um, DH in the NL, there's no reason that you couldn't give him uh, with a JTL Real Muto type contract, a four or five hundred yeah. million. There's no reason you couldn't do that and, and, and keep some sort of connection. If he's gone, now we're down to two players left from the 2016 team left. So it's, it's frustrating. That's another thing for Cub fans is that you've taken everybody and we just want one damn thing and you can't give us Wilson Contreras. There's something to be said about having still some connection to that magic that happened in 2016. I feel we have that with Bogarts with 2013, where it's like you still have a guy from that 2013 team. And then obviously 18 is now dwindling too. I feel like there's only seven guys left from that team. So uh, totally hear you there. And for your sake, I hope I hope you guys re-sign him. But Joey, your series predictions. Yeah, it's going to be a sweep. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do got a sock sweep. Sorry to say it. Um Two specific predictions, though. Uh, Verdugo is coming into the series with a 10-game hit streak. I think he leaves with a 13-game hit streak. Okay. 
and my other prediction is that Ian Happ hits a big double that maybe ties the game, and he looks like the most miserable any human has ever been <laughs> while he does it. Has that guy ever smiled, Crowley? <laughs> Yeah, he, you know what? He he he's he's an interesting character. He he's very smart as far as marketing himself, and so he started something called uh, the Compound, which is his podcast. Started mm -hmm. in 2020 when they were all kind of holed up together in Arizona with a couple other uh, younger Cubs prospects, and so he he does a ton of stuff, TV ads, and and really? and and he has a. a a coffee brand connect roasters. It's kind of gotten big around here. He even wow. does, you know, so he does wow. a lot. So he does smile. He just kind of, he's just got like this weird personality, but it's quirky, I guess. Quirky would be the way I would put it. Yeah. It's weird. Every highlight I see of him is he's in a big moment and he's on second. Just like, <laughs> mm -hmm. like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Don't look at me. I'm, I'm look, telling look you right at... now, the one thing, like I said, Adrian Sampson to me is the wild card in the series. It's the difference, mm -hmm. in my opinion, is a Cub going one and three and two and three. This guy has really turned some heads his last couple outings. So that's, that's like I said, I'm trying to be realist about here and just say I'd, I'd be happy with one. I know how good the, the Red Sox were. You guys got off to a slow start and, uh, you know, picked it up. It's going to be tough to catch the Yankees. But with all the extra, uh, you know, wild card spots. I'm sure you'll have a chance to get into the postseason, but it's going to be fun. I think it's like I said, it's enjoyable. Two really fun fan bases that really get into it, and and I think it's not a hated rivalry. You know no. what I mean? It's not like a Cubs Sox or shared misery. You know, Cubs over the years, Sox. right? Yeah, we we understand each other, and so either way it goes, we're just going to drink some beers and have fun. That yeah, that's what. Bummed. See, that's the thing. I wanted to close with that just Wrigley field, just the vibes, like was able to go there in 05, went back again in 2019 when the Red Sox were playing the White Sox, which felt kind of rare, by the way, that the White Sox and the Cubs were in town at the same time. I feel like that doesn't happen that often, but I got to say, I love Fenway park. Fenway is my favorite park. Obviously we're biased. We grew up here, but Wrigley field, the vibes are immaculate. You guys do an amazing job of regardless of what's going on on the field, you just seem like you're in a great mood and having beers and dogs and like everyone's talking and, and you know, it's just talking ball and like really caring about the people around you. And it's something I just don't see at other parks. I, I do want to know from your perspective what you think makes Wrigley different from everywhere else. It is a ballpark situated in the middle of a residential neighborhood. Yeah. So it has that very neighborly vibe. And as Cub fans, I would say that we, Winters in Chicago are just absolutely miserable. And we really, there's really winter and then a bunch of like, and then all of a sudden it goes winter to summer. It almost seems like there's no more spring or fall. So when we have a beautiful day out and you're at Chicago and you, and you head down there, you, you have so many memories of Wrigley Field as a Cub fan. You have bars everywhere. So everybody's kind of liquored up, having fun. But you just—it's—it's it's the memories that 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 you have of of your dad taking you and me now taking my son and my nieces and nephews, and a lot of the people you get to know over the years. Like I said, season ticket holder for twenty years. I got to see—I know my beer vendors by name. I know that their kids went to college and now they're working summer jobs at Wrigley. Those type of things. That that there's just a connection between everybody at the ballpark that we're. we're We've gone through so much suffering together that we've been through the wars. We got to see a World Series, which was absolutely one of the most amazing moments, I think, in, in sports history. Mm -hmm. And so we just we love being where we are. We love being in Chicago. There's no place we'd rather be. And Wrigley Field is just like a little piece of baseball heaven.
Yeah, it's. I mean, we we feel very similar with Fenway, and I think something about it being the same park you went to as a kid. It's that's a huge element of this. It's like this is the same park I've always gone to to watch my team. It's not the case for a lot of fans now. I feel like a lot of these teams, even the, the Braves, come to mind of like they've had three stadiums in the last like twenty years. So it's. I like the element of this is the same place we grew up going. I love this section. We used to sit here. We used to sit there. I, the vendor, I love that you know the beer the beer guy's name and their kids and all that. That's That seems very like <laughs> Chicago. That, that seems very specific to you guys. Yeah, we got, you know, you got Rocco and you got Glenn. You got all these guys that, are, that have just been there forever. In fact, two of like two of the, we have sports columnists and radio TV personalities that used to sell beer or peanuts at Wrigley Field. And I mean, that's just how crazy it is. And, and, and there's, like I said, a communal feeling. If you've ever had to pee in a trough, I mean, Oof. Uh, you, you get to know each other real well, you know? Yeah, that's a very specific to Wrigley thing. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, you want to talk but... about memories at the ballpark. <laughs> <with the kid. laughs> yeah, want to talk about one, core memories. That one jumps to the front. Yep. <laughs> that'll, that'll definitely I'm, get you. Yeah, I, I'm bummed we weren't able to make it work to, to get out to Wrigley this I year. I mean, for a bunch of reasons. Like, I, I mean, I've never been to Chicago in general, so wanted to see the town. Uh see uh see Wrigley and I also I just had this stupid dad joke in my back pocket that I was so ready to drop and I've been so excited about for months about like oh I don't know about these newer ballparks uh, <laughs> uh. And yeah just it was just a stupid joke but I've been wanting to make it <laughs> so hey, found- may, maybe next year you guys yeah, you guys did uh you guys did renovations from Boston we used the same company to redo Wrigley Field so it's going to look a lot better Joey than what you remember it and and mm. the renovations, there's one a couple things that I dislike, but in general, it's a lot. The amenities and stuff are a lot nicer. The and, and I think it's contributed to the vibe a little bit. Um, and so, I really want you guys to come out. I'm gonna take you out and show you what uh, you know how, what it's like. Some of the good bars. I'll take you to a rooftop. Oh, we need this. I'm uh, now yeah. more upset we're not there this week. <laughs> Let's go. Damn Let's it. just go. Let's, Let's just go, go. tonight. Oh. <laughs> God. We're we're gonna do it right when you guys come here. We're gonna give you the full Wrigley experience. I mean, and, now I'm down to go when the socks aren't even there. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm down for like Cubs Marlins. I don't give a damn at this yeah. point. But and we'll give you what we call the Chicago handshake, which is an old style oh. with a shot of Malor. Oh, okay. All right. That's I didn't know where that was going. So I'm like, okay, I can I can live with that. <laughs> I can live with that handshake. But uh, Carly, thanks for doing this, man. This was awesome. This is my favorite series preview we have ever done now. And ideally, we'll see what, what the schedule is coming up here in the in the coming seasons. If it's next year at Wrigley, if it's 2024, whatever. But when it happens, I'm very excited for us to link up. And let's just have fun this weekend. I don't really, like, if the Sox, I, I'm fine with you guys getting one just because, like, you're a cool dude and, and Cubs fans are awesome. I know sweep is all dandy, but the Sox are the first wildcard team. They're 13 behind the Yankees. You guys get one. We get two. Everyone can just kind of go home happy. I'm fine with that. As we say in Chicago, win or lose, we still booze. That's exactly Amen, the brother. vibe. Amen. That's exactly the vibe. Uh, next time you will hear from us. Actually, real quick, though, uh, the your podcast, Fly the W, where can people find that? Yeah, we were with uh, Odyssey and 2400 Sports, Fly the W, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fly the W 670, uh, Facebook Fly the W, and you can find me at Crawley's Cubs. Love that. That is all phenomenal. Next, you will hear from us. We have an interview coming up with a former Red Sox World Series champion. Very excited for that. Until then, I am Steve Peralt. That's Joey Capone. That is Crawley. We will talk to you later.
You're listening to Season 1, Episode 11 of the Fly the W Podcast. Ripping the Reds is what the Cubs have done. Now we are hoping they can at least not get swept, Crowley, by the Red Sox who are coming to town. Game 1 is today. We are dropping this on Friday. And uh, before we started this, you mentioned that you are headed to Wrigley today. And based on your... uh, earlier game this week maybe we don't want you going to the game maybe you just need to hang out in the bars and listen to the game on the app i can hang out here in the clubhouse i got multiple tvs going but and that way i don't i can just drink beer for free but uh <laughs> you know you heard of the pitching uh the pitching matchups and uh i'm hoping that the you know the cubs all of a sudden starting to look like they have a little confidence so maybe they ripped the reds they already ripped the reds maybe they ripped the what red socks and so I'm going to game one. I'm excited to see Adrian Sampson pitch. And and here's the thing. If you listen to the interview with the uh, Inside uh, Monster guys, uh, it, it should, I love this series. I love the two fan bases. The two ballparks are the oldest. It's great when they do this. And so I'm hoping for a really fun weekend of baseball. And I hope everybody enjoys the fourth. And I hope the Cubs offense continues to provide fireworks and i hope we get to fly the w at least twice what are you thinking dustin uh i'm at my usual just don't get swept don't (laughs) get swept all right well until next time please make sure to follow us on our socials at fly the w facebook fly the w670 instagram and twitter and email us with any thoughts suggestions or anything else at fly the w670 at gmail.com